Hi there, and welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 17, I'm pleased to bring to you a chat with Gunnar Weber Prada of Totem Star Pipes. You can find Gunnar's vast array of creativity online at totemstar.com. That's T-O-T-E-M-S-T-A-R.com. From beautiful handmade pipes to original pipe art t-shirts, amazing pipe displays, and very unique pipe tampers, there is always something interesting going on at totemstar.com. The following podcast is brought to you by Pipe Studs Consignment Shop. Okay, folks, write this down, pipestud.com. Easy enough, right? P-I-P-E-S-T-U-D.com. Now go there and bookmark the page. What you're going to find is something amazing. Here's how it works. Mr. Steve Fallon, a.k.a. Pipe Stud, sells on consignment full sealed tins of pipe tobacco, often very rare pipe tobacco. You're not going to find this pipe tobacco anywhere else. Steve gets in some amazing tins from all over the world. Whether you're buying or selling vintage tin tobacco, this is where you need to go. As if that fantastic site wasn't enough, here's your next assignment. Go to umpal.com, go to the links tab, click on Pipe Studs Consignment Pipe Shop. This will take you straight to the eBay store by the same name, where you will find something you will have to bid on. True story, I wanted to just take a quick peek of what Pipe Stud was offering up today. And don't you know, I ended up bidding on three pipes while I was there. What a fun eBay store to bookmark and check into regularly. It is addicting because I'm telling you, Steve always has something that you're going to have to bid on. You never know what in the world he's going to have over there in his eBay store. So check it out. There's another way you can get there. Of course, you can go to eBay, click on stores, do a search for pipe stud, and there you go. Okay, on to the show. I had the pleasure of chatting with Gunnar Weber Prada back on December 23rd, 2008. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. On the line with me today, I have the very versatile and very talented Gunnar Weber Prada. Gunnar, welcome to the show. Hey, Ollie. Uh, Gunnar, you make pipes, pipe racks, t-shirts, tampers, not to mention um, your own personal original art um so you're you're an incredibly versatile guy tell me where do you find the time to do all this stuff i usually don't unfortunately um <laughs> uh, there's just too much to do and i have other ideas that uh i just can't get to frankly you know i can write it down i can draw a sketch but there's just no way so do you have like a, a whole bunch of crazy man notes like i do like books and books full of like ideas that you never can get around to yeah, journals. I, I have actually a separate journal just for the, um, like a journal notebook thing. Um, uh, a girlfriend gave me one to, uh, that I use now for the pipe notes, pipe information, pipe, you mm-hmm. know, I do something and I try and I write down what I did. And then if I don't like it, I'll put, you know, another version of it. But I keep all the old versions so I know what I did and, and that didn't work or why. Mm-hmm. And then just on the other side of the book, I have general shapes that I might want to try later in the future. But uh, I have that for a couple different things because it's it's also hard to keep the idea straight. Later on, all you remember is I had this really, really great idea, but I don't remember what it was. That especially happens to me at night, right when I'm going to sleep. I have this great idea, and if I don't get up and write it down, it's gone. Yeah, that happens a lot, too. I, I had a friend who was writing a script or something, and he was thinking about this and that as he's sleeping and whatever. And he said, oh, I came up with this fantastic concept. It's so great. I woke up at, you know, whatever it was, 2 or 3 or 4.30 in the morning. I wrote down a note so I'd remember the next day, and then I went back to sleep. All I remember, and then when I woke up and I looked at my note, all excited, I couldn't remember the idea, but I'm like, thank God I wrote it down. He says he wrote down, boy meets girl. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little vague, maybe. That's funny. Uh, tell so, me how you got started making pipes. Um, making pipes? Well, I've always been, uh, I think I started making because I'm interested in design work, which is where a lot of the uh, art and design of my stuff uh, is towards is, is designing graphics, designing uh, in, industrial design, which is like designing things like a suitcase or a pen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cars, cars are industrial design, you know. And so when I started, I was always interested in pipes my whole life. I remember telling my father uh, that uh, uh, I was like, I don't know, seven or ten or something. I really like pipes and I really like beards. 
because I'd seen a drawing in a comic book, an old uh, Spider-Woman comic book, and one of the characters was like her grandfather or the professor or something like that, and he had a pipe and a beard. And uh, I just liked the way the picture looked, and I thought it was cool, and I just had always been kind of interested in pipes. I had a few neighbors that smoked pipes, but very little other contact. Mm-hmm. And uh, the closest thing besides that was his father, my grandfather, uh, which used to smoke cigars. Uh-huh. And we'd get letters from them, you know, during the holidays or at Easter or birthdays and stuff like that. And they always smelled of this uh, cigar smoke, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, you don't get that kind of uh, nuance in an email, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So that's, uh, that, was, that was interesting to me, but I never really picked it up until much later. And when I finally said, what am I waiting for? I mean, I was always interested. It kind of floated in and out of consciousness, you know, it'd come to the surface and then it would go back down. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but finally I got around to a point where I'm like, am I going to wait till I'm 80 years old and then give it a try? So I just started getting online and I got some good information from, um, actually I think it was pipes.org. And, uh, if you're starting out here's one thing you can do, but they had some stuff, uh, some advice, go to a local shop, you know, just tell them you're new and you don't know what you're doing, but you want some feedback and some help and, you know, you'll get it. But I happen to live, uh, just down the street practically from, uh, the original Tinderbox. No kidding. Yeah, the very first one ever. And uh, the, the owner uh, was is named Ed Colpin, but he passed away, I think, last year. Uh, and uh, so I went there, and uh, they that's exactly what happened. I, I got advice, and they started me going and whatever. So after about a year or two, then, of course, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can't afford the ones I like. I got to that level where you know what you want, but it's too expensive. And uh, then I said, well, I can try to make my own. And then once I got on that track, then the designing and following the grain, it just became more and more of an elaborate uh, riddle that you want to solve. You know, it's challenging. Uh, how to make this better, how to make that better. And then you start to, I start to learn about the grain and the way the grain flows and within the block, you know, stuff like that. And so that became interesting to me, and then I decided to start making it. But I knew I couldn't do it right away. But the first thing I did was what I already had done, which is design shirts. So I said, I'll do one where... Um, I'm interested in cars, and one of the things I like about uh, automobile uh, literature is the exploded diagrams and how the motor works and how the brakes are put together when you get to these Haynes yeah. uh, oh, reference manuals to help you repair it or help the mechanic repair it. So I said, let me try something like that with a pipe. Of course, the pipe only got two parts, so it wasn't really that tough. Right. But uh, I just had a lot of labels pointing to the different pa- uh, parts, you know, the rim, the tenon, the sh- the countersink and the uh, mortise and blah, blah, blah. And I thought that looked pretty cool. So I made a few versions of that. There's like three or four designs I did and those sold all right. And so I started with that. And then eventually I went into designing racks and that was because I couldn't put all my pipes um, in a long straight line the way they are uh, on a normal rack. So I didn't really have that many shelves at home or tables that have space for that kind of thing. So I thought of having, but I have vertical, you can go up to the ceiling. So, uh, I thought of a, for another version of that, and then I designed what I designed. Um, and then finally I, I felt uh, like I could start doing pipes. And so that's when that started. You, did you start on the tampers before you did pipes? No, that was the last thing I've done so far. Okay, so you started off with shirts, and uh, you went from shirts to pipe racks to pipes and then tampers. Correct. Wow, very interesting. So what was the, what was the uh, the catalyst that made you say, okay, I'm absolutely going to start making pipes now. That's what I'm going to do. But basically, because I couldn't afford the Costellos and the uh, et cetera that I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that I liked some certain designs. At first, I was into Dunhill because I liked the classic shapes, and you know, none of the above was really that accessible. Yeah. The nicest version, which I like, a slightly larger pipe, six inches. Thereabouts, a longer is fine, but I don't want much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the Costello or Dunhill version of that. Well, now you're talking three, four, five, whatever it is that today. And depending on the shape and the, and the extra stuff like silver bands or whatever, I couldn't afford that. So that's why I really said I got to make my own. And then when I started making my own, I got into the way. Well, I'm also very. Uh, I like uh, symmetry, mm-hmm. or what I what I call a reason why in the design which means why is it happening? You don't just arbitrarily put a decorative element in the design because you think it's pretty on something else. 
mm-hmm. has to have a reason to be there on this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so symmetry and grain is, is something I really like. And that's when I started. The more, the more I got into that, I'm realizing that the blocks aren't cut for straight grain. They're cut for like three-quarter cross grain most of the time. Um, and uh, it's just that uh, you're not going to get it. So that, that challenge of trying to find the, the pipe within, mm-hmm. as I've heard from many pipe makers, and I'm sure you have too, mm-hmm. uh, then that, that was kind of what kept me going at it. And uh, I wanted to make my bits better. It just, I, I, I like making things as good to, as close to, uh, I, I like making things the best I can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I see a fault in it, like, oh, the bit's too wide or the bit's too thick or or the, the grain could have been a little better if I just kind of shifted it over a quarter inch, uh, rotated it, so to speak, within the block, uh, then I want to make another one where I do make that correction. Mm-hmm. So the next thing you know, you got four or five pieces of crap, but each one's a little less crabby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, you're making pipes. <laughs> do you have a favorite shape that you make? Uh, early on... When I was just getting pipes without making them, one of my favorite shapes was the um, poker or the cherry wood or the friendly, I think as Dunhill calls it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still like that shape a lot, a straight poker or a slightly bent poker, maybe an eighth bent uh, stem, like just barely rising off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I make my version of it, which is sort of canted forward a little bit. Uh, and I still like that a lot, but, but lately I've been getting into uh, uh, bulldogs. And uh, a lot, yeah, because I like that shape because it's a more, um, to me, it's one of the more sophisticated shapes available, especially in the uh, in the classic uh, genre. And and now I haven't done any yet, but I've been designing a few calabashes, but I haven't had time to make them yet. So that's another one that I may end up being the next, uh, you know, big design way for me next year. Tell me about your stems. Do they all have that... Um red line that I saw in them? Yes. That's the STEM logo. Uh, that, is marking. Really, that is really neat. Tell me about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I was designing that, <clears throat> first I said, as I decided, okay, I want to start designing a pipe and I want to have, you know, it's not just for me and no one else cares. It's going to be, I might sell them. I want other people to, uh, to identify them and, and know their mind. So besides having the, the pipe itself have a certain style, if, if that's possible, that people can spot right off, then at least I can have the logo. So, you know, like, like you can look at any billiard, and you don't know who made it. Is it Camoys? Was it Tassini? Was it Dunhill? Who knows? But then you look at the stem. Oh, look, one dot, two dot, a C. Right. Now you know without having to read all the nomenclature. Uh, but, but I decided that first I started playing with what everyone does, you know, Roush and uh, Butera and obviously Dunhill, etc. cetera. Uh, they have a dot. They have a badge. You know, people like, um, not Joby, but GBD and uh, all the above. GBD, Weber, Joby, they have this little badge. Even Stokeby has a badge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those logos are only visible from one angle. It's either on top or on the side or whatever. But from the other side, you can't see it. So I just I started playing with how do I get a logo that I can see from all angles. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of was a small stripe going all the way around so from underneath from either side from top and bottom it doesn't matter uh and then i also i was as I, as it started happening i started doing some work at the original tinderbox like i said it's just down the street and you know they were supportive of me working there and kind of working on repairs i started i saw all these options and also i saw a lot of stuff like cps on sheratons and and other things where it gets obliterated after a while mm-hmm. from buffing and sanding and shaping and repairing so I wanted something that was indestructible, kind of like the, the Dunhill dot, where it's actually a physical piece in there. It's not just painted on the outside. So I made mine as actually a, a slab. It's a, at first, I made them thick because I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and I was experimenting. So the first two pipes actually have a fairly thick slab, which is like, I don't know, a quarter inch across, maybe an eighth of an inch. And um, the first guy who bought that pipe loves it, but I decided it's too big because it's, it's, if it's by itself, the pipe and the stem and that big piece, it's okay looking if the pipe is big enough to kind of accommodate that giant uh, band. But uh, if I want to put bands on the pipes or the pipes are going to be smaller, I realize that's way too big. So I cut it down. Also, leave on Eric, actually, I showed him those early pieces, mm-hmm. and he didn't like their bed band, and, I, and that's why. 
Um, so I, re I said, yeah, he's right. I need to uh, reduce it radically. So it's now it's only a fraction of an inch. It's like a sixteenth, mm -hmm. give or take. Uh, but it's a thin red line. It, it kind of disappears in the stem if you're not seeing it directly or looking for it really because it's red, dark red, and it's a black stem. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that evolved into that. But it's actually a solid piece in there. It's a sandwich between the black parts. Yeah. Um, so that can also be buffed all you want, and it's going to go. It's going to be red from one side to the other, all the way through. And uh, that's how that evolved. Those look great, by the way. I really, I really like how those are looking. I remember uh, seeing them for the first time at the uh, Chicago show at the uh, pipe making seminar, and thinking, "Wow, that guy, you know, he's really got some stuff together over there. What is he doing?" Tell me about uh, your nomenclature. Okay, the nomenclature. Well, first of all, my name is Gunnar Weber Prada. And it's hard, and I live. I'm an American. I was born in Los Angeles and near Hollywood, mm -hmm. and uh, I can't imagine the least uh, convenient name to be a pipe maker, <laughs> because to me that name doesn't sound American. I mean, I, I my my mother's side is Colombian, South America, mm -hmm. so a lot of people barely realize that because they think I'm Native American, which is partly true. Yeah, I have some of that, but they don't think, oh yeah, he's Hispanic. Because my name doesn't sound that. It sounds, uh, you know, Gunner is like Scandinavian. Weber is German. Prada, now it's a big Italian designer. By the way, I'm still waiting on my first suit, so apparently we're not related. Right. Um, so, But now, of all things, it didn't matter, really, except when you get to pipe making. Then it's like, oh, Gunner, he's a Danish guy. No, no or Swedish guy. No, 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 no. Right. Weber. Oh, so you're related to the old Weber company. No, 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 no. Uh, Prada's making pipes now like Porsche? No. So, okay, forget all that then. <laughs> so I, I, I changed the whole name as a brand to uh, Totem Star, which to me relates. Totem is, you know, an American, uh, Native American reference. It's uh, mostly from Alaska, northern area. And uh, I like the idea that, number one, it was uh, definitely a, a reference of the Americas because there's no totems in anywhere else in the world I mean, with that name. You know, totem poles and all that, that's Native American stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and also the fact that the original, you know, tobacco smoking ideas and stuff came from ancient Native Americans. That also, I like, I like that cross-reference, which obviously suited this perfectly. And then I had to put star on the end because someone else already had totem.com. So I put totemstar.com. Uh, but eventually I decided maybe it's okay. It could be an orbiting thing because I also ended up with shirts and racks and pampers and who knows what else later. Right. So, you know, the star is the center of the solar system. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did you uh, have any mentors as you first started getting um, into pipe making? Um, when I first started making, I can't say there was really anybody here to encourage me. I mean, I made a few things, and I'd show Paul Perry at a show, or he'd show up at a meeting, and he'd give me, he'd give me some advice if I'd say, I don't know how to do this, or, you know, this is really ugly, and how do I fix that? Uh, I remember him giving me a lot of advice on fitting stems and tenon making and stuff like that because, you know, it's hard to make these things. It, it looks easy when you just see the simple parts, but it's a whole other story when you have, like, a block of something and you're like, How, how's that going to be round and then fit into this other part that has a round hole when nothing about it right now looks round? Mm -hmm. So I get advice from a lot of people like that. But uh, the first few pieces I was basically on my own. The, at the shop, they knew how to repair, obviously. And that they gave me a lot of pointers there. Um, I got a lot of support from uh, the people there who had been there for years. Leo Reyes is the manager. Uh, he's been very kind to me in that regard. And uh, other people like Aaron Licker and uh, Tudor Duskalu, they're, they're both experienced with pipes. And, uh, you know, I, I, and they've seen a lot more than I have because, you know, they've been working there long before I got there. Mm -hmm. So I would I'd say, here, I made this such and such. What do you think? And then they'd say, well, this and such and about it or whatever it was. Um, but then once I got to uh, my first Chicago show, which I, I wanted to go the year before I, I first went, because I heard that uh, Levon Eric was going to make a um, pipe for people or help people make a pipe. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of that idea. Although I think they'd been doing it for several years prior. Um, but I couldn't go that first time. I just didn't have it together and I didn't have anything to show and I just felt stupid going. Um, and it was going to be a big expense, obviously. Uh, but the next year I did go and I uh, met him and, and for, I, and I don't, then I think I had three, I think I brought two pieces. The very first piece I had and the second piece I made, 
both of which had that wide red band because that was where I was at at the time. And then at the show, at this, at this pipe-making class, we were making a pipe. And I remember this, I, I always thought it was so funny because he shows up uh, with this. He, I don't know if you've seen a lot of his work, but he's got this gorgeous shape, which I absolutely love. He calls it the loon. Yep. It sort of looks like a bird head. And uh, long, kind of gracefully curving shank, round, uh, sort of tapering uh, bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, like a brandy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just it looks like a, the head of a bird when you see it. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and he, he shows up with this piece. And, of course, it's a beautiful piece. It's got great grain and all that. And he starts talking about it. Here's how – actually, I think what he did is he cut the block. He actually had just a regular block not even cut, if I remember correctly, because I remember we helped him cut this or do this. He'd do something. He'd say, okay, who wants to try it? And I'd raise my hand and I'd try it. And then he'd do the next step, you know, sanding uh, this corner off or cutting these, trimming these edges off. And then who wants to try it after he does, you know, shows us how. And I'd raise my hand and I'd give it a try. And a few other people tried it as well. And uh, he showed, by, by the time we get down to, <laughs> this is the funniest part, we dig it down to the whole thing and it's actually starting to shape up. He drills it and he's showing us how to drill it. He does that by himself, of course. And uh, he's just showing us. And uh, it looks gorgeous. I mean, it's this incredible, sexy shape. I'm thinking, oh, this is like a 1969 Ferrari California Spider kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he goes, now we're going to make your pipe. I'm like, oh, boy, I can't wait to get one of those, you know. Even if I make it and I sort of fuck it up, it's still a gorgeous shape. He goes, your pipes are over there. And he kind of turns, half turns to the box, points to the box in the corner. I go in there. <laughs> all these pre-cut, pre-drilled. Um, Old, old, apparently, K. Woody Stummels. He goes, yeah, you guys are going to finish those up. And they already came with stems, you know, already in. Basically, it was a pre-made kit. But it was already importantly carved into a ball. So we had these kind of much much smaller balls, much smaller blocks of wood. They were kind of rough ball shaped. The grain was terrible on most of them. Uh, You know, they were kind of like rejects. And and, uh, I was sitting at the end of the row. So he puts the box down at the other end, which was kind of set up in like an L formation. So it goes down the short side, and it comes down the long side. Finally gets to me, and there's two other, two or three pipes left, which are obviously the ones that no one else wanted. Right. <laughs> you know, because everyone else had got their pick. Yeah. So I picked one, and I see it. The one I picked the one with the least off-center draft hole, but they were all terrible. And uh, to me, they're all ugly. And uh, I made that pipe, but I, I modified it. I, I there's kind of two parts to this story that that kind of go off on a tangent. Um. The bottom line is I ended up making, I, I, instead of making a ball like everyone else, I decided to make what ended up, what I, what I now realize is more or less a Rhodesian. I cut the top down. I, I said, this is horrible. And I, I kept that top smooth. I rusticated the bottom. And I had, um, on those early pieces, and I still do a, a, quite a bit of this, I like a lot of little like trim and beadwork. But what I ended up doing is a, a contour line, carved line, in from the bottom of the shank, is a bent. It was like a three-quarter bent. Mm-hmm. Contoured line from the bottom of the shank that came up around to the front, to the bottom of the bowl, and it ended in like a point. Um, and it somehow wrapped around the shank. I can't remember exactly how I did it now. But it, you, it, what happened was that was in a rusticated area. So you'd have this dark rusticated area, but then this line of smooth wood, which would kind of give this line, contoured line, but it was in relief in the wood. And then the smooth top, of course, which was also wood-colored. Uh, and he liked that pipe so much, and then he, he, he liked the other pieces I had, uh, that for some reason, after like the second or third day, he decided he was going to, uh, um, it would be okay if I went up to his shop to uh, start to learn some basics. And so I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. I can't believe he uh, agreed to that, but uh, I can't let it pass up either. So like the next two or three weeks later, and sometime in June, I went there for two weeks and started getting more basic. So he was definitely a, a major um, supporter and influence early on. Wow, um, cool. And And I was actually, when I, the first P&T magazine I ever got was the one several years ago. It has a picture on the cover of a, of a painting that an artist made of himself. And uh, inside is an article from a French writer, I think, or Belgian writer, I don't remember. And uh, he had written an article in a French magazine, a French pipe magazine, about American mm-hmm. carvers. Yep, I remember that one. And, okay, so that was the first P&T I'd ever gotten. This is even before I was 
making pipes. And I remember reading that, and I and he said specifically he mentions a small paragraph about Von Erich. There's like a bunch of names mentioned, but there's four or five uh, people carvers who get their own like little boxed area and a specific thing about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of all the possibilities, Lee Von Erich was like the second one. Yeah. Um, and what I liked about him is that, I don't know, I felt sort of a kinship with him, even though I was just reading about him. I never met the man. One of the things that uh, the guy wrote was that he has his own style. And one thing I started to appreciate, even before, this, is, this goes back to my own being an artist before pipes uh, type of stuff, is that uh, I like it when you're not copying another person's uh, style. Mm-hmm. I like trying to have an original version or original idea altogether, um, which is not always easy. Because if so, it does, now you're looking for something that hasn't been found yet, you know? When people know where the gold mine is, they just go there. But when you're wandering through the mountains, you have no idea where it is. There's no one behind you. There's no one with you because they're like, well, you'll probably never find it, you know? <laughs> and then you find it, but you're the first one there. To, to me, it, 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 it takes a lot more initiative and drive to find your own voice, to, have a, to try to search it out. Because you're not going to just do it on the first or second attempt. You're still too close to your source, which is your influences or whatever you see around you that got you in the, going in there in the first place. That's one thing I appreciate about reading about him. And to me, it stood out because you know everyone else is making billiards and uh, Dublins and whatever. But very few. Walt Canoy is another great example. Uh, in that magazine, I remember his shape was very striking. Um, Michael Linder had made, I don't know what he called it, but it was some sort of a kind of a horn thing with the, the, the plateau looked like a ridge at the bottom, if I remember correctly. And that was, uh, some of those are like, that's when you're trying to really stretch it, you know? You're, you're going for that last sprint at the end of the race, as opposed to, I'm going to finish the race. He's like, no, I want to I wanna be in the top three on the podium. And uh, so, but I really appreciate that about him. And then once I met him, which was the first time I went to Chicago, and he was so nice and supportive. I mean, I got nothing to say about the guy, but great things. Uh, yeah, what I, can I say? Yeah, he's he's really something else. He's he's an incredibly generous guy. He's he's one hell of an artist too. I just I love Lee. That day, not that day, but that that uh, fourteen day period, I ended up getting a pipe that he had unfinished in the in the drawer, which I loved when I saw it. And so when I was there, he finished it for me. Oh, and cool. uh, it, all his pipes have their own uh, serial number type of thing. This one is A60079. I happen to be holding it in my hand. <laughs> and uh, so I, it, the, the, the pipes you can actually see online in his catalog. It's under sold pipes or something like that. Uh, so if anyone wants to go look at his site and look up that number, they can uh, see what the pipes that I'm holding that I got. I do the same thing, except for not like him. A lot of people do it similar to his, which is you have a year and then a number in the year. Uh-huh. I do it like, uh, let's see, like Roush, I guess, which is just sequential. So someday you get into a 1,000 or something. Right now I'm like in my 30s. <laughs> right. You've been doing it for, what, five years? Right? Uh, maybe about three and a half, four. Another part of the nomenclature is that uh, I also have a year on the pipe when it was made, 2007 or six or whatever. 10, 9, 10, hopefully, uh, and the number, like I said. And then I have USA, and then I have where in the USA. One of the things I, I was thinking about is that I don't know why, but I got into this my head that I'd like to, I, probably because I went to see like Levon Eric, actually. That probably led to the next part of the nomenclature, which I decided was, I, when I was there, I made three pipes that survived. I thought, what if I make a pipe, what if I visit other pipe makers to try to get smarter, and, uh, and I make pipes there. Or I mean, what if I just go to visit Lee or whoever, and I'm just there for a week, and we're just hanging out, we're making pipes, and we're just not being bored, you know, because sometimes it gets boring in the shop. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing all the time, and, and no one to talk to because no one understands what you're talking about. Um, and so then I got the idea of putting – I don't want to put the nomenclature just USA. I want to put a, a specific part. I kind of like the idea overall mm-hmm. of uh, – I mean, like overall, as a, in my life in general, not just pipes, of a, of a unifying for, uh, theme. And so, in order to, and a, a way to give that some voice here was to put also the zip code of where the pipe was made. 
So, for example, the pipes that I make here have my local zip code, which is uh, 90025. And the pipes that I made in with Von Eric in his place was 46 whatever it is. I don't know. Those have a different zip code. It's the same exact nomenclature. It's just a number next to the USA is different. And, uh, for instance, I saw you at the pipe seminar last or this year, earlier, and we, we were sandblasting pipes, right? I had brought four to do that. And I already knew I was going to do that. But my nomenclature, another thing about it is that it's laser engraved. So I wasn't going to be able to just do that up in my room. Right. I had to have that beforehand. So I called St. Charles Hotel, and I said, what's your zip code? Because I knew I was going to finish these pipes there. Yeah. And I had that put there, which is whatever that is. I forgot now. 11-something. Okay. I, I don't remember. So those f four pipes have that specific zip code. Although there's nothing else. If you don't look, you won't see it. You know, it, right. But the information there as far as, oh, these were done in St. Charles. So some collector may someday know. I know why it was done in St. Charles, because that's when he was having the pipe show, and that's when he was there finishing these. There's a few of those floating around. You know, someday maybe I'll get a chance to visit uh, Jody Davis or Brad Pullman or, or Todd Johnson or who knows who. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I finish a pipe there, I'd probably try to have that zip code for those specifics. But I don't try to type it up as, as a collectible piece. I just felt like any other. And then the last part of the nomenclature is the grade which is, uh, I couldn't decide. Uh, one thing I don't like about other people's nomenclature is that they're so uh, complicated and it's archaic sometimes. You're like, what the hell? You know, let's go metric. Why do we got to keep using, you know, inches and, and fractions of inches and stuff like that? And then these guys are even worse. You know, and like one of the ones that are most baffling to me is Upshaw. They got E and P and G and I don't know what else. And, they'll, and they'll, you know, and the high grade is like the E. And then the low grade is, I don't know, something else. And, you know, they're just all over the place. And there's all these other codes and numbers and symbols. And uh, I don't know how anybody could keep it straight. I, I couldn't keep it straight myself. And it's my thing. You know, how am I going to explain it to anybody? So I, I, and also I wanted something that was less uh, needed to be explained. So I thought what everyone basically understands across the world without words is if you say, if you have three metals in front of you, copper, silver, gold, or platinum, let's say four, uh, most people are going to be able to pick out which one's more valuable than the other because everyone understands, you know, gold is this and silver is that and copper is below platinum and stuff like that. So I decided to use those as ranking. And then within each of those uh, metals have three, three um, steps. So it's like, so the ranking goes like one copper, two copper, three copper, and then it goes to one silver and et cetera. Then, you know, one, two, three silver, and then one gold and blah, blah, blah. Uh, up to three platinum, I guess. Maybe above that I'll have something else, but I don't have any made those yet, so I'm not worried about it. And uh, then I put, uh, just so you don't have to, now in the in the nomenclature on the shank, I, I also thought, now how am I going to, I can't put silver, gold, or whatever, and also I didn't, I like the idea, like I said, of symmetry. So instead of, if those, all those words have different size names, different letters, you know, one has, gold has only four letters. So instead of trying to do that or make some kind of an abbreviation that people might not understand what it is, I decided, which probably is also archaic in a way, I decided to go with the, um, the, uh, since, the since the four metals are, are elements, I went with the uh, nomenclature that's on the, uh, the periodic table of elements, which I figured was a universal table, like someone in Japan or China or in Russia, or definitely in Europe, I'm sure, if they know those, if they look on those tables, they'll understand that, you know, AU means gold and AG means silver and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then on the stem, so I put that there uh, with a little number next to it, one or two or whatever it is. And then on the stem itself, I put also the number of, of whatever metal it is, like two silver or, or three copper or whatever right. on the stem itself. So you don't even have to look at the nomenclature. You can look at the, at the side of the stem and see see what the grading is if you care without having to read everything in, in another language perhaps again trying to unify unity right. bring it together it doesn't have to be you know i'm trying to people i think should think more in including reasons to include reasons right. to participate not reasons to exclude and discriminate so this is kind of along the lines of i, I hopefully more people can get involved that way rather than you know who knows what grade level e is or who knows what, you know, grade level cow is, you know, who knows. <laughs> what made you decide, you know what, I, I think I'm going to make some pipe racks. And, and how did you uh, decide on that style and that look? 
like I said before, I don't like doing things the same way everyone else is doing them. I didn't wasn't just trying to be different. I was trying to be uh, practical and easier for myself because, like I said, I didn't have a long spread out space, and I didn't like uh, all the other wooden racks, which to me look all about the same. And one way to be competitive in the art market, uh, it's kind of like the acting idea. You know, I live in Hollywood, and there's a lot of acting and modeling and all that kind of stuff. And you always hear the people, the parents or whoever that's not supportive, that you can't do that, you'll never be able to do that. You know how many millions of people try to do that? I mean, it could be art anyway, either way. It could be even pipe making, you could say. There's a lot of pipe makers coming out all the time. What makes you so special, you know? And I was said to, uh, to that kind of a thought, well, I'm only competing with the top five or ten. The rest I don't care about. They don't, they don't, then I'm not competing with them. I'm only the one competing with the ones at the top. And, I, and, and the way to do that is to not do what they're doing. Because now suddenly you're the only one doing it, which means now there is no competition. So it's like the, that's what I mean by the shortcut or the easier path, in a way. By picking something that no one else is doing, now there is no competition. Because you're the only one who's got that product or idea or whatever it is. And you're the only one on that road. So there's not a lot of extra traffic, you might say. So the, the idea of the rack was, first I didn't like the other ones. Then I wanted to have a space where, I mean, a rack set up where it could be vertical. But then as I started getting into it, I said, I don't want to just make it for myself. I want to make it practical for other people. And they might want to lay it down. They might want a long horizontal row. But I said I didn't want to hold it in the same way the other racks are being uh, holding pipes. I, I somehow got the idea of, uh, as I'm holding the pipe in my hand, I was holding it between two fingers. I was like, what's the least amount? Another thing I like in design is the least amount of parts. The least amount of parts is a better design usually. More parts, more complicated, usually means inferior design. So what could hold it with the least amount, which is not a piece in the back and then a thing in the front with a scoop out of it and there's a little arm on top as well to hold the shank or a loop. It's got to go through a piece of wood with a hole in it. The, the way I could hold it in my hand was just between two fingers. So what would hold it just between two fingers that would balance it more or less? And that became the hole in the side of this, in this slab of plexiglass. And this plexiglass was uh, a one-inch piece clear piece, which uh, I decided because it's clear, you can now from the side view, you don't have to look at the pipe directly. You can still kind of see it through. Because if the pipe is going through this piece <laughs> and you're looking at it at three quarters, part of the pipe is behind the slab. But if it's clear, you can still see it. As opposed to if it's a piece of wood, you're just going to see the stem sticking out or just the bowl, and the rest of it would be obscured from behind the, the, the panel. Um, and then that evolved into, let's do it Art Deco. Why do we have to do it in this old-fashioned country western? I don't know what kind of style. There is no style. Our pipe racks that, that most people try to pump out, although there are a few very nice versions. Um, I mean, there's another pipe company, guys, two guys, uh, two cousins. Yeah, two cousins pipe uh, racks, yeah. I forgot what his name is now, Matt and something else. Mark and Tim. Mark and Tim, yeah, I'm sorry. I, they, <laughs> one always remembers my name, and here I am totally screwing it up them right. but anyways they do really nice work and that, that's another example of why does it have to look like everything else you know they actually made something artistic and creative but actually they kept a lot more of the old world feel than i did i went completely into the modern style mm -hmm. art deco or modernism and minimalism in a way you know i want the least amount of parts so you just have one slab holding up the pipes you can have uh, one row or two rows and uh, basic uh, background designs are, uh, you know, very, very uh, Art, Art Deco-y kind of feel to it. Uh, again, to get away from just uh, this wood, beat-up wood things that hold the grandpa's pipes. And uh, But then I decided, well, I, I'm going to make them modular so that two can fit together on the wall. So there's all these little extra features in there that no one sees, no one knows until you need it, but it's there. Every single one has can be hung upside down, for example. And because the hole that holds the pipe is a circle... It works no matter what direction. So you can turn the pipe rack upside down, hang it on the wall, and the pipes will still hang the same way, right, because it's a circle. But then you can have another rack on top of that right side up, and they're like foot to foot. Now the background panel becomes a whole separate shape, which is kind of like a display uh, framing panel area thing that just hangs on the wall. And now you have kind of like a nicer display rather than just a wooden rack up there. And, and because the, the, the racks are not wood, the displays are not wood, the wood of the pipe, I think, shows up a little bit better. Are you going to be bringing any of these to the uh, next Chicago show? Um, I'm not sure. I tried bringing a few 
the last few times. And uh, I think because they're so unusual, people aren't sure what's going on or how to, I mean, <laughs> the first time I got, I went there with, with uh, like three or four of them. I put them on the uh, Friday, the Friday uh, half day show thing or whatever it is. And as I brought my box around and I started putting the racks up on the table before I put any pipes up, I went back to where I was holding my stuff and I brought back more stuff. The people who were sitting on either side of me were like, okay, we give up. What is that? You know, they had no idea what this thing was. This big, uh, clear and black and white and multicolored uh, uh, acrylic slabs with holes in it. Right. <laughs> they had no idea what that was. So I said, oh, I'll show you. And I put a pipe in it. Oh, okay. And then they got it immediately. Now, inside the hole is actually a, a small, a, what do you call it, rubber liner, which I actually hand paint in there. So that protects the pipe and grips the pipe better. So even though it looks precarious, you can actually pick that thing up and carry it around the house carefully, uh, and the pipes don't fall out. I live in California. We have earthquakes here. They haven't fallen yet. I think what you've come up with is uh, you know, a really interesting twist on something that we've taken for granted for a long time. And I really I think this uh, modern twist that you've, you've put on it and the way that the pipes are displayed is very interesting. And while we're talking about modern, let's talk about your tampers because uh, – mm. Those new ones, the uh, those icon tampers that you do are definitely a have a modern feel to them. Matter of fact, they remind me of um, that sculpture, Bird in Space. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but um, mm-hmm. it definitely reminds me of that famous sculpture. Tell me a little bit about your icon tampers. Okay, uh, the icon tamper. I have the idea a little bit floating around of a tamper design because I saw. First of all, I, I normally was using a uh, pipe nail. It's the classic aluminum thing we all know and love. And the check tool, to me, just didn't appeal. It was too cheap and flimsy and, and just kind of not not appealing to me. But I like the pipe nail in the, in the way of it being uh, it's kind of classic and simple. Again, fewer parts mm-hmm. to do most of the same jobs. And, and also, I like the idea of unbreakable. I like the idea of unburnable. So these are some of the things I'm thinking about, what the tool needs to have. These are some of the attributes. I saw things like uh, Ming Kahunas, and other people make them out of acrylic with a metal part at the bottom, a foot. And those, some of those look incredible. Uh, but generally, I like a bigger, I don't know, like I said, I like bigger pipes. So when I see some of those and they're like three inches or two and a three-quarter inch tall, maybe three and a half inch tall, to me it's too small. So I wanted something more substantial. So the icon ended up being, it's going to start at four and get bigger from there. Just so you have something to hang on to, I thought. But again, I thought, now if I start making acrylic, you know what? This guy's already making acrylic, and a lot of other people are too. And those look gorgeous, but I don't want to be one of the other acrylic guys. You know, I can't make it out of pine. <laughs> it's going to go in the pipe with burning fire, you know. So I started thinking about uh, aluminum for some reason, I guess because the original thing is, is made out of aluminum. And I thought of this simple, oh, yeah. And then as you, as you get more into, into tamping ideas and you see or you read a few of the forum comments and posts and threads, people like the angled face and people like the flat face, like right. the regular pipe nail. And my pipe nail, I kind of prefer the, the angled face, so I would just bend the head a little bit so that it was angled. Uh-huh. And that also made it stand out when you're with three or four other guys who all have pipe nails because we're all cheap, and, uh, but mine's got the bent one, so now I know it's mine. You know what I mean? You take yours home. But so when I got into the idea of some people like this, some people like that, and I realized you can't really accommodate both unless you have both there. So I thought, well, why do you have to only use one end of it? You always hold one side and you tamp with the other. Why can't you tamp with both sides? Especially if it's longer, like about four inches. Now you have something to hang on to either way, and one side could be angled, one side could be flat, perpendicular. And uh, I didn't like the way the head of the nail catches uh, soot or any of the ones where it's just like a stick with a panel mm-hmm. and you tamp in there and then the ash gets on top of that and you drag it out and it's all over the place now um, so I thought cones because now you get the flat face tapering to a centerpiece uh, but there's no there's no edge there to catch soot and ash uh, and this just kind of evolved from there and then I wanted an offset because I like the golden ratio so I started doing it that way rather than having it divided directly in the middle, I mean, the, the center waste area. And, and I got the idea of let's just make them out of aluminum, solid aluminum. Why, why mess around with anything else? Uh, then I think those are actually 
overall, those answer all the issues I wanted. I wanted unbreakable, unburnable, almost undestructible, really. Uh, looks good, polished up. You know, and it's lightweight. Doesn't it doesn't uh, feel like a ton in your pocket. And those aluminum ones really answer all those issues. Then I made copper, and I made some out of hardwood like ebony and rosewood. That also doesn't burn. I made a few for myself and tested them, and I found that it was okay. And now I've started to uh, try to make some out of stone, but I haven't made finished those yet. What kind of stone are you using? Uh, marble and granite. Yeah, a friend of mine had one of these. Um, you probably seen it, and if you haven't, I'm sure you're whoever's listening. Someone has definitely whoever's listening. The uh, Peterson made a series of tampers. I think there was multicolored glass shafts with a little Sherlock Holmes head on top, and there's different colors like green and blue and clear and something like that. They're pretty, but a friend of mine had one and dropped it, and it broke into like three pieces. So he's upset. And he said, can you fix that? And I said, well, yeah, but I can't put glass in there. I'm not going to reshape glass or blow glass for this thing. But the idea, he says, okay, well, we figure out what to put in there, metal, make it, because I'd already done the, the icon. So he's like, put, make it out of aluminum or make it out of copper or something like that. And, uh, and so I thought, yeah, but at the same time, I wasn't sure. And I had this stone idea. So a lot of times when stuff like that happens, I use jobs like that as guinea pigs. And I try to make my new idea you know, work on this just so I learn how to do the material and handle what's going on. Uh, so I made the replacement shaft of that out of green granite, and it looks incredible. And uh, he loves it. So then I had learned, by then I'd learned how to angle and shape these stones into uh, something close to what I want to do. And so now the next step is make a few more out of, uh, I mean, move a few more icons out of that and uh, solve some problems that, will happen now because of this new material and then uh, see if I can uh, maybe bring some of those to some shows. And that's another thing. I like the icon tamper shape so much because to me, it's really like just about, that's what I call it the icon. I mean, I, I'm, I, I can't really think of a better version of a shape for a pipe tool uh, when you have no moving parts. So I decided instead of trying to be like all these other guys where they make multiple shapes mm-hmm. and they have thousands of shapes, I may just make this one shape. I don't have to make a bunch of other crazy shapes. I just make variations of this shape, be it out of materials or maybe one I'll have an extra feature or something, but it's going to be the same basic shape. And that way, I'm, again, I'm not really competing with everybody else because I'm the only one making this shape. One thing I really like about the icon tampers is because is uh, when they're sitting there just on a tabletop, they look like a miniature modern sculpture. Really cool looking. This year I met, um, I met uh, John Crosby. But completely by accident, because I was there with, I was there on my own, and I met another guy from California named uh, James Sunderland, and he uh, bought one of my tampers, and he had it there. We were, I was sitting at the bar, he was sitting at the bar, I'm having a hamburger, and right between us was sitting um, John Crosby. But they knew each other, apparently, or just met, but I had never met him, and I didn't know what he looked like, I didn't know anything about him, really. Um, and uh, he's, uh, James is showing John the uh, tamper. And he goes, oh, that's really nice. Who made that? And he points to the other, his, other, his other shoulder, and he goes, he does, and I, there I am. So then I made him. And he's the one who first told me, oh, this reminds me of this, uh, I forgot the, na- the artist's name now. It's an Italian guy, but this bird in flight statue you, yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, bird in space, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he's, a, he's an art uh, teacher, I think, John oh, really? Crosby. Funny. So he immediately, of course, knew the reference, and he, he was he knew more more about it than I did, really, in that sense. And uh, so I was like, "Oh yeah, cool! I didn't know that." And so since then, actually, um, Neil Rowan, uh, Neil Archer Rowan, wrote on his blog about it uh, after the show, and he has a picture of the bird in flight in, on that on that page on that post. For those of you listening, that's uh, Constantine Brancusi, by the way, Bird in Space. Thank you. Constantine Vancouver. Yeah, that's right. 1923. That's right. And that was another thing that shocked me when I saw that date. I think I knew the date because uh, Neil had put it on his um, on his blog page where he has the name of the guy, Constantine um, Vancouver, and then the date. And I'm like, my God, that thing was from 1923. So when you think of that, you don't think usually modern sculpture. But actually, you know, that is some of the edge of modernism kicking in with our deco fading. Yeah, and uh and, it's incredible to think that that came from, you know, nearly a century ago. Yeah, and, and by the way, um, even though 
I did go to art college and, and I consider myself an, an artist. Um, that wasn't off the top of my head. I actually uh, looked that up. I just Googled it real quick. So I don't want anybody to think. <laughs> that, was, that was really off the top of my head because it wasn't. Very cool. Well, they, th- those look awesome. I'm, I'm, next time I see you, I'm going to have to pick up a copper one. So I hope you have one on you because uh, those are very cool. Tell me, uh, we've gone through, you know, all these different facets that make you the, you know, creative force that you are. Um, what's next? What's next in 2009 for, for Gunner, for Totem Star? Um, mostly trying to perfect the pipe making and variations of this uh, Icon Tamper, probably. I might make, again, that, that other design of the uh, pipe monolith. The shirts I was has faded uh, to the background, although I still get questions about it. So I was thinking about putting that on Cafe Press. I don't know if I will yet. And uh, and if that works out, I might make some more designs. Because I, I really wanted to make like five or six pipes. Uh, that's the thing about that exploded view thing. Each each uh, shirt has the same basic information because it's a pipe, but each shirt was a different uh, shape. One is a billiard, one's a bulldog. Those are the first two I made. Then I made a calabash, which is cool because I had more parts, so I was more excited about that. And that's where I stopped. Um, but I was going to go on to, you know, Love It and uh, maybe a Cavalier. And there's all kinds of possibilities. Uh, like I said, make more pipes. I'd like to make uh, more. I don't, I don't I don't think I could get 100 this year, but if I could get 60 or 75, I'd be happy. I'd like to get enough pipes that I can go to three or four shows. Well, that sounds great, man. I uh, wish you the best of luck in 2009 and hope you have a great holiday season. Yeah, you too. Well, thanks for interviewing me. You take it easy, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. And that was episode number 17, a chat with Gunnar Weber Prada of Totem Star Pipes. Check out the beautiful handmade pipes, modern pipe stands, pipe art t-shirts, and icon pipe tampers at totemstar.com. That's T-O-T-E-M-S-T-A-R.com. This podcast was made possible by Pipe Studs Consignment Shop, bringing you a wealth of vintage, full, and sealed tinned tobaccos that you will not believe. Go to Pipestud.com and find an old favorite you thought you'd never see again. Also brought to you by Pipe Studs Consignment Pipe Shop, easily the most addictive eBay store around. You'll find all kinds of pipes there. Go bid on some right now. I think I'll do the same. You can get there by clicking on Pipe Studs Consignment Pipe Shop in the links area of oompal.com, or you can always go to eBay, click on stores, and do a search for Pipe Stud. Be sure to sign up for his newsletter, informing you of great new stuff available all the time. I'm Oli for oompal.com, wishing you very good luck trying to decide which Totem Star pipe will be next in your collection. <laughs>